0: Section 2 of Essays on Prohibition. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Individualist Position. From the Handbook for Speakers and Writers on the Drink Question. Published by the Freedom Association of London, England. Those who write on the drink question should never lose sight of the broad ground of individual freedom when conducting their controversies. An Anglican archbishop once said, better England free than England sober. It was a startling bold assertion for an ecclesiastical dignitary to make, but it embodies a fundamental truth. It is possible to pay too high a price for sobriety. If a drunkard makes a public nuisance of himself, the state does right to punish him for the nuisance. That is not an infringement of liberty, but protection of the liberty of others. If a man commits a crime while in a drunken condition, the law holds, and rightly holds, that drunkenness is no answer, and that the man must be punished for his crime. But it is not the business of the state to go further. The fact that excessive drinking of fermented beverages clouds a man's higher faculties, and impairs his digestion and constitutes a sinful act upon his part is no reason why the state should interfere. Otherwise, we must not stop at fermented beverages. We should have to prohibit the excessive reading of cheap newspapers, which also deteriorates the higher faculties the propensity to eat too much meat and sweets and drink too much tea, which things are impairing our digestions, and the malicious tittle-tattle of drawing-rooms, which is sinful. Indeed, there is no logical end to the interference of the state in private affairs, if once we admit the principle that, because a thing is for some reason detrimental to the individual practicing it, the state should stop him. And still more, if we admit the principle that because excessive indulgence in something is bad, the state should actively discountenance or positively prohibit moderate indulgence on the part of the general population. It is contended by some supporters of restriction that the state is entitled to interfere with simple drunkenness and even ordinary drinking, because drunkenness often leads directly to criminal acts. But again, that is not a reason. If it were, we should have to carry the principle very far. Political discussion sometimes leads to broken heads, but we do not yet prohibit political discussion. The policeman is a guardian of the peace, not of the conscience, and his function only begins when a breach of the peace has been made or is eminently threatened we admit that the state has a right to probe down to the very roots whence, by individual perversion, disorder sometimes springs, we should inevitably arrive at a condition of intolerable slavery. That is why men who value man's most precious possession, freedom, oppose state teetotalism, even though these same men have, as they often do have, a most lively horror and vigorous detestation of drunken excess. There is another, an ethical, reason why sobriety should not be sought by Act of Parliament, the reason, doubtless, which moved the Archbishop to utter his famous epigram, and that is the essential futility of forcing virtue mechanically upon men. We do right to guard the ignorance of little children from various temptations to evil, just as we provide them with their maintenance without expecting them to work for it. We may deplore any wrong act which men may commit, and we may exhort them by counsel and encourage them by example to refrain. But it is not for us to prevent them by compulsory mechanism. That is getting dangerously near the divine prerogative, and savors at any rate of presumption. Among the early Christians, there was once a sect which practiced or counseled the practice of a certain physical operation in order to remove temptation to impurity. The church condemned those precursors of modern prohibition. God has endowed us with free will. It is an essential part of the providential design and has placed us in a world where our free will to do right or wrong is exposed to constant test. While it is wrong to place stumbling blocks in our neighbor's way and deliberately to multiply occasions of sins, we fall into error at the other end if we try to make a compulsory rearrangement of the universe, and essay the impossible task of stamping out of existence every human institution, of which a public house is a fair illustration, which by abuse may be made an occasion of sin. For there is nothing not even attending church, which cannot be so abused. Virtue ceases to be a virtue when a man is physically prevented from being other than virtuous. It is only the fanatic or the well-meaning man in an undue hurry to make his neighbors conform to the right standard of conduct, who cannot see the difference between permitting deliberate temptation, such as the open circulation of pornographic literature, and reasonable acquiescence in the existence of things which may be rightly used or abused. Thus we make a wider appeal than that of a mere trade interest, wider even than that of the moderate drinker, who doesn't want his convenience restricted or his pocket depleted. The opponent of prohibitionist fads joins hands with all who are striving for the preservation of freedom, the drink question falls into line as an incidental feature of the struggle and it is from that standpoint that the freedom association approaches it this standpoint is becoming all the more important now because after the war the individualist position will need restatement an emphasis to combat the efforts which will be made by politicians and social reformers to rivet upon the nation in peace the fetters which were necessary Or thought to be necessary for disciplinary purposes during the war. End of section two.